The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent Holding Short Media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. Welcome to the Holding Short Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Matheson. Today we are joined by Kate Spear and David Martins. Kate began her aviation career as a flight instructor in 2002 and went on to spend 10 years as a low-level survey pilot for Fugro Airborne Surveys, now CGG, logging time on six different aircraft types in 26 countries. Flying as a captain for Porter Airlines, Kate also works as a training captain and a technical writer. Currently furloughed due to COVID, Kate divides her time between survey flying for her previous employer, delivering packages for a large shipping company, and the occasional aviation technical writing project. Kate actively participates in multiple mentorship programs, drawing on her own experiences to guide aspiring pilots as they navigate their own careers. She believes that there is always room to be kind and that being a mentor is one of the most rewarding things for both your personal and professional career. David started flying professionally as a traffic patrol and banner tow pilot after completing a flight college program in 1997. In 2002, he gained experience in customer service and operations with a ground handler position at the Ottawa airport. In 2005, he started flying as a first officer at Fugro Airborne Surveys, now CGG. Over the next 10 years, he worked his way up through the ranks to become the chief pilot. During his time flying low-level survey, he has worked in 28 different countries flying five different types of aircraft. After flying survey, David flew for Porter Airlines for four years and also worked as the manager of flight technical. Today, David is flying maritime surveillance for Transport Canada on the Dash 7 that he originally learned to fly with Fugro. David believes we move forward better as a team, and as such, mentorship has been an integral part of each step in David's career. Kate and David, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That being said, we'll jump right on in. Kate, how did you get your start in aviation? I got to visit the flight deck in uh, transatlantic flight when I was a kid, and I really loved the view. But I thought that being a pilot was just something that wouldn't be possible as a career choice for me, being just a, a kid from a small town in Saskatchewan. Um, I went to university and uh, just did a generic program and got really bored in my second year. So I decided to look into this flying thing again and realized that it was possible. Um, I worked in the military reserves during the summer in order to pay for it. And uh, despite completing my per- commercial license during a huge downturn in the industry, uh, which was 9-11, I was able to find my first job uh, the next year. And David? When I was uh, young, my godfather used to take me around Ontario to the various air shows. And uh, he was very passionate about the aircraft that we saw there and that transferred to me. As I got a little bit older, I found out that one of my neighbors was a pilot, and in speaking to him, he told me about a number of colleges and other private programs that you could take to learn to become a pilot. And um, I'd forgotten about that at the time and continued on to a, a university career, and halfway through that program, decided it wasn't for me and decided that I would uh, give the flying avenue a, a try, and I haven't looked back since. Now, David, what does mentorship mean to you? To me, mentorship is 
it's a number of different things. It's um, it's helping, it's guidance, it's patience, it's learning, it's listening. It, it's there's so many different qualities to it, and they're different for every person, both for the mentee mm-hmm. and the mentor. It's it's essentially whatever the individual needs moving forward. Um, mm-hmm to wherever they are in their career path, whether it's the start, the middle, or the end, and it changes. So I I can't nail it down to just one thing. It's so many different things at so many different times. And Kate? Well, suddenly finding myself in uh, my 40s with 20 years in the industry, I've had a lot of time to learn a lot of things. And I feel it's a waste to not share some of what I learned with others. Um, I also think it's important to stay connected with the up and coming generation and hear their perspective on aviation and in life in general. Um, I feel that modern mentorship means more than just providing insight into what to do if a captain insists on descending below minimums, for example. It's about uh, feeling safe and comfortable in a workplace, managing expectations and stress, um, study techniques, communication, and, and more. Now, Kate, what do you think are the qualities of a good mentor? Um, as a mentor, I think it's important to understand that the mentee needs to make their own path and make their own decisions. Um, a mentor should provide advice, personal perspectives, but ensure the mentee is doing sort of the leading in the decision making. Uh, so just because I really enjoyed the path that I took and the decisions that I made, um, that doesn't mean that they're right for the next person. Everybody's path is very unique. Everybody's Everybody's experience will be as unique as their own personality. So I think it's important to, as, as David said, it's important to really listen and to really not force your views onto somebody. And David? Along with what Kate said, the, um, th- there's also a, a dynamic uh, to the relationship that a good mentor is able to assess and evaluate how that relationship is progressing and what the needs of the mentee are. And as Kate had said as well, it's not pushing your opinion on their path. It's offering support. It's offering guidance to their individual path moving forward. Um, Making sure that you listen, applying your your experience to their scenario in offering a perspective that they may not have thought about, but not as a, this is what you should do, but more so, this is what I've done. You may be able to learn something from it, but you don't need to do what I do and we can still end up at the same spot or we end up at some, at a a different location because every path in aviation is different. What do you think is the value of having a mentor? How did having or not having one impact you, David? Personally, I never had a mentor. So I found getting into aviation fairly challenging. There was nobody else in my family when I got into aviation that was in it as well. So I didn't have anybody to look up to um, to get any guidance on my decisions. They were made very individualistic. And I discovered through that, that 
I always wanted to have somebody there that I could bounce some ideas off of. And I did have some people, but really didn't have a good understanding of the aviation industry. And when I had the opportunity to become a mentor, I saw a lot of value in it because I was able to share what I didn't have when I got into the industry. And as the industry evolves right now, we've both Kate and I have come from a generation where very much a ladder and a class type society in aviation and that both Kate and I are trying very hard to, to get rid of that and to, to change how people treat each other in this industry and that we get much further ahead by helping each other as opposed to all individually trying to outperform each other. And when we work together, we get much further ahead much quicker. And Kate? Um, I did not have a mentor through my pilot training. Um, I was very lucky to have a great group of buddies uh, in my college program um, that were that were just just a, a good group of of uh, they were all guys, um, which I know a lot of. A lot of people don't necessarily have the chance to have. Um, but I was also lucky to have some good instructors who highlighted the importance of going to the actual source about something as opposed to taking what you hear from others. Um, so that prevented me from making a lot of mistakes. And it's something I talk a lot about to my mentees today. My first real mentor um, was, was uh, matched with me when I got hired at Porter. Uh, every first officer is given an, a peer mentor there. And I really saw the value of having someone there to answer questions from as simple as what to wear on my first day to as complicated as, you know, how to properly run a, an emergency drill. And that actual mentorship program and the person who I got randomly matched to really inspired me to first become a peer mentor and then become a mentor to young and upcoming pilots uh, as I got more more into the industry. I never realized the value of having somebody to chat with about casual stuff and important stuff as well. One of the things I just realized is that although Kate and I have worked together for years and years and have got a very strong friendship, that um, she was my mentor through that and into the airline got we got paired together and oh yeah that's right i forgot about that you two are officially paired up yeah i think i cuz i cuz you could request uh say hey i know this person in the new class and could i could you match me with this person yeah i forgot about that I guess cuz it's just so natural cuz david and i've talked for years so and i think that that mentorship that you've friendship evolved into mentorship through the 15 plus years that we've known each other. I, I prior to right now, I would have maybe not have called it mentorship per se, but there is so much of our friendship that has been mentorship and looking up to, to you through that friendship and mentorship is uh, is taking me far in this industry. Wow, I 
I had no I I had no idea. Yeah. Thank thank you yeah. for saying that. That means a lot. It's it's funny because I have a very mutual respect for you and I look up to you as well. And I know we've had very similar um airplanes in our lives. Um, but we're also very different people, which I think that makes our friendship unique because because we have that, but I never, yeah, thank you. That's, thanks for saying that. That's really nice. My pleasure. Thank you. What is something that you have learned about yourself from being a mentor? And I'll start with Kate. Um, I learned that my mentees can teach me as well. Um, this industry changes so much very quickly. And uh, as I mentioned, I was finishing my commercial license during a downturn. So jobs were scarce, pay was low. Um, it was an uphill road. And even as a full-time flight instructor, I needed a part-time job. And however, as we all know, recently, um, up to, you know, for maybe two or three years until uh, the beginning of 2020, of course, many young pilots now I found themselves as uh, being being needed everywhere. Um, there was lots of choice for pilots. Um, so it was a completely different industry that they were jumping into compared to what I was jumping into back when I started. Um, so I really learned a lot from from my mentees at that point. And I learned how to become a better mentor. I learned what they, they, they needed different kinds of advice and, um, and support than pilots 10 years ago, even would, uh, would have needed. And David? I think what I've learned about myself is to become more flexible, more patient, and that everybody that I encounter or have the opportunity to be in a mentor-mentee relationship with is that each one of those relationships is different. And in giving advice and talking about the different paths that we're going to take or that um, a mentee might be taking, it is also validated that my path has been correct for myself and that every turn or frustration or roadblock that I encountered and went around gave me a new path. And when I've looked back on that, usually after a year or more, I can see that the decisions that I made for myself were the correct ones, similar to the way I'm giving advice to the mentees. And I can see that their path is also the correct ones for them moving forward. So there's a lot of validation in what we're doing. How do you find mentorship has changed within the last year or so for you with the mentees that you have? Um, I, it, it's really, I, I'm, I'm much more, it sounds really funny and really strange, but I'm in a very comfortable place mentoring people now because it was my situation. It, like coming, coming into the industry when it was a struggle, when it felt like you were never going to get that phone call never going to get ahead, not being able to pay your bills. That was a big struggle. So right now I can relate to my mentees more than I ever have been able to in the past. In the past, I found it difficult. I had to really take some time and try to understand the position of being a new pilot in a, in a pilot shortage that mm -hmm. I had to work to learn and, and, and try to tailor my responses to my mentees' questions accordingly. So now it's very much 
unfortunately, it's a comfort zone for me. I feel like I'm more, I'm much more familiar with it. I'm, it's just, it, I feel very comfortable giving advice about what to do in a downturn just because I've actually been there. And David? I guess how it's changed for me is a lot of the people that I've been mentoring, um, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of contact with them recently. I've checked in with them and I haven't gotten a lot of feedback. And through the dynamics of the mentor-mentee relationship and trying to navigate when to contact your mentees and how much interaction they want, um, when they're very busy and there's new opportunities, I find it's very much more active um, with the current situation where a lot of them are not flying and I've reached out to them. I'm not getting much from them and they're not engaging. And it's, it's more challenging for me to know how much to push or how much not to push. I'm always available. And those that are contacting me, we're having good conversations and others are just, no, I'm okay right now, but we're just going to wait and see. So it, again, it draws on my patience to not force things, but to be available when they need it. What suggestions do you have, David, for those looking to become a mentor or for those searching for a mentor? Again, it comes down to patience. Not every mentor-mentee pairing is going to be perfect from the get-go. It is okay if it's not the right pairing to start off with. And there are many people out there that are willing to both be a mentor and be a mentee. And if you have a facilitator to try and pair people up, then oftentimes that will improve the chances of it working well. But if that's not the case, then you may have to start over once, twice, or more, depending on what you're looking for. Um, you need to find somebody that is able to communicate with you on what you need, um, which is can be a challenge for the mentors, particularly right now with technology moving forward very quickly. When you have somebody that maybe 15, 20, 25 years your senior as your mentor, they may not be up on the same levels of technology in terms of texting or calling or whatever kind of messaging that you're doing that works well for the mentee. And that can create an imbalance that doesn't work well for the mentor-mentee relationship. Um, if you've got somebody that can find a good medium of how to communicate together, that's going to go a long way for enhancing that relationship. And one of the examples, uh, when I was a chief pilot in the past, I had a, an age range of low 20s to 60s for my pilots. And I knew that each one of the pilots that I communicated with had a different preference of how to communicate with them. And if I did it to their preference, it was much easier to communicate with them. And if I used one of the other mediums, it didn't work out well. So that gets applied to the uh, to, to being a mentor with uh, with your various mentees as well. And Kate, uh, well, depending on the type of 
uh, mentorship you're looking for, um, there's a couple of options out there. Um, if you would prefer something a little bit more structured and you prefer somebody else to find that mentorship match for you, uh, there's programs like the Northern Lights Aero Foundation or uh, once, we're, once we're over the pandemic and the uh, and aviation returns somewhat a little bit to normal, a lot of the airlines have mentorship programs as well. Um, However, um, I also have a lot of unofficial mentees. Um, many of these people connected with me at aviation events, like pre-COVID, obviously, and uh, more recently through friends, friends or other or friends of other mentees, uh, social media. And I even had a young man message me on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago, um, asking some very, very polite, very interesting questions and. Um, ended up having a very, very interesting conversation, uh, which was, uh, which was very brave of him to reach out and, uh, really, really amazing that he did. It was, uh, it was really neat. So don't, uh, don't restrict yourself to saying, well, I, I don't know anybody. Take a look on social media, see, you know, reach out to, to somebody like that. And as long as you're polite and professional, um, you should get a good response. Mm -hmm. No, there's definitely the program, uh, programs like the Northern Lights Aero Foundation and also Elevate Aviation if you're looking to get into uh, a mentorship scenario that are great at having very formalized mentor-mentee mentor setups. Yeah, I just want to say as well, if you're reaching out to, to somebody on LinkedIn that, uh, that you'd like to get advice from is be mindful of of their time and be mindful of a little bit of etiquette. Um, you don't want to ignore a response. Like always just say, Hey, you know what? Thank you for taking the time to do this. And um, because if you just don't reply, nothing at all, that immediately sort of sours, sours a relationship and just, uh, just following up and being, being professional when you, when you do that makes a big difference. Um, yeah. And going along with that, Kate, it also, that professionalism carries through when you're looking for new jobs and contacting prospective employers as well. Having that professionalism in, in conduct when you're contacting one of these individuals goes a long way. And when it carries through between contacting somebody for a position or mentoring or what have you, then it that becomes part of your character and into your aviation career as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, just uh, the the example of the 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 person that contacted me on on LinkedIn. It was it was a LinkedIn messaging system, but it was as if he was addressing a letter properly and with the proper salutations and the responses and. Then he, he thought about my advice for a little while and then he followed up and he said, okay, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. Do you mind if I contact you in a few months? And it was, uh, it was a very, I was very, very impressed with, with that person's character. And it just takes a few minutes to translate from the text speak you're used to talking with your buddies about and, uh, and just bringing it up a, up a level. And that really means, uh, that really means a lot at the beginning of a mentorship relationship for sure. Now, given that both of you are mentors to me uh, and several other people in common, what is it like knowing that you often mentor the same person? And we can start with David. 
I, I think what it shows is it, knowing Kate for as long as I have, our our values are very similar. Our professionalism is similar. And a lot of, so our core values are very similar, but we have very different perspectives on the industry and how we do things, although we arrive at very much similar locations. So I think it's very beneficial to the people that are fortunate enough to um, be in those mentor-mentee relationships because the, the, those core values get repeated over and over with a slightly different perspective. And I'd like to think that that will help anybody that um, has the opportunity to, to be in those relationships with us. And Kate? Um, totally agree with, with David, but I'll also add, I think it's very beneficial for people to see how, how, how different both of us can be in personality as well. And how, we handle we handle situations depending on our personalities. Neither is wrong, but I will say I learned to be a little bit more calm by just watching how Dave handles things. I tend I tend to um, be a little bit more um, assertive. Assertive, yeah, absolutely. I tend to be a bit more quick and assertive. And over the years, I've learned to take a breath, take a second. You know, you don't have to, you know, my way of handling a mistake or something was just to go in and fix it right away headlong. And I learned to take a breath and take a step back. I still have that assertiveness and drive and push, but it is toned down a little bit. Um, whereas David has always been very calm and, and thoughtful about things. And again, we're, we're two different human beings which is great to see, um, like Laura, for example, you see that the way I would, I might give you advice on talking to somebody it might be different from the way David is. And it's just, you would just have to like, okay, cool. There's two different ways to do this. I'm going to take those on board and then I'm going to figure out my way. So you might draw a little bit from both of us. Now, Kate, what advice would you have for someone considering an aviation career right now? Um, well, as I mentioned before, um, I got my commercial license and instructor rating uh, just after 9-11. Uh, so the aviation environment was similar to what it is right now. Um, I didn't get my first post-instructing job until I had about 1,300 hours after months of trying to make connections and sending out resumes that would go unanswered. Um, or I, I even had one resume ridiculed. Um, so now we're back in a possibly even worse downturn, but I would still tell people to, to go for it. I mean, I, I have a passion for flying. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't fly. It's, it's really part of me. So I really understand. I, I would really not ever recommend anybody to give up their dream, but you have to be prepared to work hard you know, um, obviously keep a positive attitude and maintain really good connections wherever possible. And as you progress, even leaving a school, even, you know, leaving a group of friends to go to another town, um, or even companies you leave behind, I always say never burn a bridge. Um, and that's so true. Um, right now as a furloughed airline employee, I'm lucky not only to have some contract flying at my former company, but I actually also helped get 
one of my destination quarter mentees, a first officer position at the same company. Um, and we're both, uh, we're both furloughed regional airline pilots and we can do a little bit of flying together. And that's purely because of good connections and good relationships and, and some experience, obviously. And David? For me, the, the advice that I would give for right now is no different than I would have given when I first started flying or all the way through my career or anything that I do in aviation. One of our mottos that we always have is to make sure that you have an out. And making sure that you can follow your dream and your passion through aviation, particularly right now, but with the uncertainty of where things are going in the next couple of months, in the next year, that it will be a challenging scenario. Some people will be very successful in it and other people won't. But regardless of that, um, having an out, whatever that might be for you, I think is extremely important. And where that happened for me um, early on in my career was you know, the thought of ever losing a medical, for example, what would I do if I lost my medical? And I've seen some colleagues and friends that have lost a medical in the past, and all they ever knew was aviation. They ate, slept, breathed aviation, and they're completely lost afterwards. Um, where others have had different interests, jobs on the side, etc., that they were able to make a smooth transition into something else. And during this time where there is uh, the downturn, where things are challenging to, to get a job, and, and we talk about it being challenging, but there's still a number of people that are being extremely successful in this industry right now, um, whether it's through connections, being at the right place at the right time, or whatever it happens to be, they are moving forward and quite successfully. So just having something else, a, a different path to get around. And I got out of aviation for a short period of time in terms of actual flying. And that's just how my path took me. And I got back into the flying when it was the right time for me. And then I continued to move forward. So anybody getting into the industry now, there's always more than one path. And whatever that path is going to be, whether it's 100% aviation and you can follow that dream the whole time, or if you need to sidestep for a short period of time while sort of holding on to the handrails as you go beside it and then pulling back into it when it's the right time for you, I think is very important. Now, David, would you share with us a favorite flying memory from any point in your career? There have been a lot of favorite memories um, from my flying career. The, the the different areas of the world that we've been able to fly to and seeing things that many people haven't been able to see. Um, I, I feel very honored and special that I'm able to do that. Um, but I think one of the things that started out as potentially a negative event has turned into one of my favorite flying memories or fondest memories. And that's when I had an electrical fire on board my aircraft and was able to get the airplane safely on the ground, get everybody off the airplane safely with nobody hurt. Airplane could be used again the next day. 
and very little media attention to the whole event. Um, that to me was a bit of a highlight or not a bit of a highlight, but it, it was fairly significant highlight um, in my career um, that I was again, able to validate the training that I've gone through, uh, how I operate the airplane and that um, it had a very successful and um, positive outcome to it. So I, I think that would have to be my, at this point, my favorite flying memory. And Kate? Um, well, in true Gemini fashion, I can't pick one. Um, I've loved survey flying in Africa and South America. Another highlight was ferrying a de Havilland chipmunk from Ottawa to California with the aviation legend, Bob Fassold. Um, my first flight as an airline captain, that was, a uh, that was, that really stood out. And probably if I had to pick just one, my favorite one so far, which was a highlight of 2020, especially was float flying with you, Laura. I'm glad it made the top 10. It made the top four. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Lots of fun. No, that was, you were the first float passenger I had outside of my own parents. And so I remember going, I, I take a lot of pride in the safety briefings I do at on a land plane. And I remember thinking with a seaplane, Oh man, I need to crank it up a notch. And I went, I think completely overboard is the correct technical term in the preparation for that flight with you it's sending you videos of aviation egress within, uh, within full planes. And that was such a highlight for me. And the fact that we both had, uh, because it was COVID-19, the fact that we had cheetah print masks matching, added to how fun that day was that we had both decided we're going to go fly a float plane or I'm going to go be in a float plane. The best possible outfit I could wear would include a cheetah print face mask. I can't talk because I'm laughing yet. Really, really good times. Really good times. Mm -hmm. No, and I think David, uh, I remember when that had, uh, when that incident happened with you, and I remember I had texted you just randomly about something along those lines. Uh, sorry, rather, I had texted you to t sort of just touch base and say, hey, like, what's happening, mentor? And you basically said, like, I'm in a hotel room right now, and I kind of can't talk. There's lots going on. Bye. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, he hates me now. And that was all I could <laughs> sort of process. So eventually learning more of what went on, it, it, it is an incredible story. And I, I think it's a very impressive and... Uh, says says a lot about you that that is a career highlight for you. Um, we at the at the airline we still talk about that uh, that example in uh, in training. I use it. Uh, I'm a training captain, or prior to furlough, obviously, training captain, and I would actually give that scenario to a new upgrade and and see how they would handle it. And then I would talk about how how David and uh, his first officer Chris um, handled it as well. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very good, very good decision making and CRM exercise that that we do now, just because it was handled so well by every crew member. Well, that means a lot to us, and 
that wasn't obviously just me. There were four of us on board that did a fantastic job and um, everybody on that crew has the right to be proud of what they did that day. Kate Spear, David Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searles. If you would like to learn more about the show, the Holding Short Podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. Thank you.